devotion from uh, an old pastor friend of mine up in Canada. And uh, I mentioned it to him this week that we were doing this. This was way back in 1990-something. So there are four parts to your time alone with God. The first one is ask God to slow me. God, I, I need you to slow me. I need you to quiet my spirit. I need you to quiet my fears, my anxieties, even my hopes and my dreams. I need to be quiet. I need to tune in to your voice. I need a spiritual refreshing, and I need to hear from you. So step one, God, would you slow me? This whole thing begins with God and ends with God. Step two, ask God to know me. When we ask God to know us, we're we're admitting to God that we want a deep relationship with him. I mean, the people that we want to know us, thoroughly know us, I can't think of any human (laughs) that I want to know me down to the last nth of who I am. You know, my wife knows me as well as anybody knows me, maybe better than I know me. But there are even parts of me that I, you know, nah. And when we, kept, when we go to God and we say, God, would you know me? We are saying to God, you're that person. You're that one that I want to know me down to the core. Now, God already knows us down to the core. But when we confess that to him, we are opening ourselves up to him. And, and we're saying, God, come in. Know the dark recesses of my life. Love me. And last week, we looked at Psalm 139, and I challenged you to go home and, and read through that psalm. It's such a wonderful prayer. Anybody read through it this week? Oh, yeah, we have a few. That's great. It's just such a wonderful, wonderful prayer. The premise today, step three, is show me. So I've stopped. I've asked God to slow me. I want to be calm. I want to get all the distractions and the noises of the world, my stuff, all the other stuff. God, I just need it to just come in and know me, God. Get into the inner recesses of me. And now, God, would you show me? Now, I'm going to tell you the truth. This is a tough one this morning. Here's the principle. The principle is the scripture, and I took it right from Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. You know, when you start to think about that, what you're inviting God to do is to take you to places that maybe will create anxiety so that you know that this is an anxious thought. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. The purpose of show me is to surrender ourselves to the Lord's will. That's right in your outline there. To surrender ourselves to the Lord's will. This is all about posture. It's about humbling ourselves before the Lord. It's I mean, it's really about getting ourselves off of the throne of our lives. We admit that even though we don't always demonstrate it, I know I don't, I shouldn't speak for you, but I can. (laughs) Even though we don't always demonstrate it, we believe that the Lord's way is the best way and it is the right way. It's like a, a, a crying out of the spirit. You know what, God, I've tried my way. 
I've done it my way. And I didn't get the happiness. I didn't get the joy. I didn't get the fulfillment. I didn't get whatever it was I was looking for that I need, whatever your need is. I never got that when I tried it my way, God. Maybe your way is a better way. I need your way. I want to get off the throne of my life so that you can get on the throne of my life. So that I can live and know you. Sometimes this is a last resort. We're going to get deep quick here. Sometimes we've got to come to the end of ourselves before we get to God. And we've tried everything else and we've resisted everything that God has said to us. But we've got to get to the end of ourselves before we get to God. There's a great passage of scripture in Psalm 32. I think I put it in your outline. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Do not be like a senseless horse or a mule that needs a bit and a bridle to keep it under control. That passage is actually new. It wasn't in the Psalms last time I read through. So I think God has just inserted that one in there. I've never seen that one before. Uh, I like it. I'm glad that he's put it in, in the revised version. Um, (laughs) God brings things to your attention when you need to see them, when you need to hear them sometimes. I I don't know how many times I've read Psalms. 20, 30, 40, maybe more. I don't remember this Psalm. (laughs) And I certainly don't remember verse 9. I love it. Do not be like a senseless horse or a mule that needs a bit and a bridle to keep it under control. So what this is saying, God is saying, if you surrender to my way, my way is the best way. It is the good way. I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. But in order for you to go along the best pathway for your life, you have to surrender to me. You have to do what I tell you to do. It's complete control. God, I hand it over to you. Now, the problem is, for all of us, including me, is that when we surrender to God, we don't completely surrender. We surrender some areas of our lives and some parts of our lives, but there are parts of our lives that we hold back. Either in sin, things that we do that we know we're not supposed to do, or in things that we are supposed to do that we hold back from because it's inconvenient. I don't really want to do that. The timing's not right. I'm not the right person. I don't have the gifting. I will advise you and watch over you. I think about people that are struggling. I mean, this is at all levels, but I think about people that are struggling with addictions. Alcohol, drugs. There's all kinds of addictions, codependency. And how sometimes God will come to us and and, and say, hey, there's a better way. There's a better way. And it's like, I got it. I'm managing this okay, God. Thank you very much. And God comes back and says, you're not managing this. This is not working out well for you. You're not getting what you're looking for in whatever it is you're doing. But that's okay, God. I got this one. I'm not ready to surrender this to you, whatever it might be. 
And there are so many addictions, aren't there? I mean, I feel for young people these days. And I'm picking on young people, but it's much broader than that. Pornography. I remember when I was... I'm going to speak openly and honestly to you today. When I was a teenager, if you wanted to look at pornography, you had to bribe someone to go in the store and get you a magazine. Or look for your dad's. (laughs) And it was embarrassing. And now it is invasive upon our phones. It is pumped at people. I just, I mean, oh my gosh, it's such a massive addiction. I know so many people that struggle with it, can't get out from under it. But they're going to manage it. I got this one, God. I got it. It's okay. Sometimes we resist surrendering to God's will. There there can be so many reasons why we resist. Some others are just simply not ready. I don't want to give it up. I want you, God, and I want that. Can I have both? God's saying, you can have both, but you're not going to have the life that I got for you. Because that is going to take away from the good that I have from you. You will not find the joy, the contentment, the satisfaction. Whatever it is that you're trying to find in that thing, it will steal it from you and I will give it to you. But we do it. We hold on. I want you. I'm not ready to give up that. There are so many reasons. But there were two that, that that I came up with that I thought these maybe are the core ones. Number one, what if God doesn't come through? What if I give this area of my life over to God and God doesn't come through? I think the classic one on this one is financial responsibility, financial faithfulness. When God comes to us and says, you, you know, give a tenth, tithe a tenth of your earning. This, this is what I call for you to do. It's so difficult because we have budgets we got things that we want to do. I remember the struggle I had with it, and I've shared this before, and this is not about money this morning, but it, it, it's just a reality. I can remember the days when if I gave $40 on a Sunday morning, I thought God was up there doing cartwheels. Woo, 40 bucks. Jesus, 40 bucks, that guy right there. I mean, I was so pleased with myself that, wow. And then God convicted me, convicted Sandra and I at the same time that, no, we need to be completely faithful with our giving, and we need to give in the manner that he's called us to give, and we decided to tithe. But all the way through it, we have a budget. And tithing wasn't in the budget. How's this going to work out? But God says, if you're faithful to me, I will be faithful to you. And I don't want to go into the long story, but when we decided to to give God that first 10% of our income, God provided the first 10% of our income. I was like, wow, thank you, God. But sometimes we, we won't give over. We won't surrender an area of our life because we're not sure that God is going to come through. Not going to risk it. And then the second one is about us. What if I'm not strong enough? Or what if I'm not able? If, if I choose to give God this addiction, if I choose to get help with this addiction, what if I'm not strong enough? 
What if I can't carry it through? It's better not to go there than it is to start and fail. And the problem with this one is the focus is in the wrong place. And this is what happens so often. We look in the mirror and we see us. We see what we think we can do. And we base our decisions on our abilities instead of God's strength. Isaiah 41.10 says, don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hands. Whose hand is victorious? Is it mine or is it God's? Is it yours or is it God's? It's God's hand that is victorious. It is victorious in our lives. And he's saying, if you will hand over whatever it is to me, I will be your strength. Don't look at the giant. Look at the giant slayer. I will be your strength. Now, sadly, it's not until we get to the end of ourselves with this one, with so many people, and everything is lying in tatters around ruined relationships, ruined careers, hurting people, before we get to the place where we say, my way's not working, God. Maybe I should try your way. But the damage is done. Part of the purpose of this, time alone with God, slow me, know me, show me, is that we don't get there. We cut it off at the pass before we get down a road that's too far and there's too much damage done and God is calling to us. Come to me. Trust me. I'm going to help you in this that we will listen and say, yes, I need your help. I want your help. I surrender to your help. Do not be like a senseless horse or a mule that needs a bit and a bridle to keep it under control. The best way to learn trust in God in the big things is to trust him in the little things. People get that flip-flop sometimes. You know, I'll talk to people. Money. Oh, if I won the lottery, Pastor Mike, I would tithe, I would tithe 10% of my lottery winnings. What are you tithing now? If you're not going to tithe on your salary now, you're not going to tithe on $10 million, trust me. (laughs) If you're faithful with the little things, God will teach you to be faithful with the big things. Luke 16.10, if you are faithful in the little things, you'll be faithful in the large ones. But if you are dishonest or unfaithful in the little things, you won't be honest or faithful with greater responsibilities. By asking God to show us We are surrendering to his will on a regular basis. Every day, God. I'm not very good at this, God. I can talk the talk, but I'm not very good at walking the walk. I need you today to slow me, to know me, to show me every single day. Because I want to be yours, but I fight with me. Jeremiah 33.3 Ask me. And I will tell you remarkable secrets you do not know about things to come. I was thinking about that verse. You know, God show me. God sees everything, right? He knows the past, the present, the future. It's all laid before him all at the same time. He can pinpoint any moment in time. He is God. He is supreme. He is all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present. So when we call on him to know me and as 
He was telling Jeremiah here, ask me and I will tell you remarkable secrets you do not know about things to come. What would you want God to show you? If there was one thing, you say, God, I want to know one thing about the future. What would you want God to show you? If you're online, what would you want God to show you? Put a message and and Sandra will bring it up to me in a second. Anyone want a shot at that? What would you want God to show you? Say it again. The path. The path, did you say? The path to... Where's there? Heaven. Okay. <laughs> the route to heaven. Gotcha. Anyone else wants to shout at that? I, th- I think about young people. If I was... Who, who am I going to marry? I think about people at the edge of retirement. What's, the, what's my retirement going to be like? What does the future hold? Who's going to win the election? There are all kinds of things. I heard a bunch of... <laughs> on that one. <laughs> of course, a lot of it's going to depend on where you're at in life, right? Well, what's pressing right now is, is going to be the question. Who will I marry? Will I be happy? When will I die? How will I die? Don't want to know. I don't want to live my life thinking about the day I die. Now, we have this funny relationship with death because that's the path. I don't get to be there until I leave here. I don't want to leave here, but I want to be there. Some things are just better not known. Poor old Jeremiah, the weeping prophet that this is written to, God shows him the destruction that is to come. That's why he's called the weeping prophet. And he told him, you're going to warn the people to turn away from their iniquities, from their unfaithfulness. Because if they don't, I'm going to deal with them. And I'm going to deal with them harshly and severely. And and Jeremiah does this. This is his job, his role. God reveals this picture of of this desolate future. And it's like, But then God shows Jeremiah a bigger picture, restoration. That's a good one. That all our children become believers. That would be nice, wouldn't it? You know, people pray, God, come soon. I don't. Take your time. I know too many people that don't know you. Take your time. Let's get a few more across the line. That was from Jane Sutton Brown. So God shows him this terrible picture, but then he shows him a bigger picture of, of restoration. But all we really need to know is the next step, right? All I need to know is the next step. I don't need to know where the journey goes because I may not take the journey. Sometimes God will use the greater good against the personal good. Jesus. He's going to the cross. He prays to God. Is there another way, God? God. God's like, no, this is the greater good, Jesus. It's not going to go well for you. But there's a bigger need. When it, when it comes to this time alone with God, when it comes to this one, this is where the rubber hits the road. This is where prayer 
really comes into the picture. This is the time where we really listen for God's leading in our hearts. So we've asked him to know us, to slow us, to know us. Now I'm listening for you, God. It's time to ask, to seek, to knock, to look for where God might be working. Join him in his work. God, what is it you're going to do? What are you, what are you doing now? Where are you going to be tomorrow? How can I join you in this work? It, it, it's time for the radar to be up. Now I want to take a moment... To talk about hearing God clearly. How do I, how do we discern between our voice and what we want and what God wants? Because I know sometimes it's easy to get those confused. So I've got a little seven ways to test an impression. Now you might recognize this because we did this in a series called Shape from Rick Warren many years ago. And as I was doing this, I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. Seven ways to test an impression. Now, let me give this a preface. If it, all seven are not ticked, it might not be God you're hearing from. So the first one, does it agree with the Bible? Duh. Pretty straightforward, right? Does it agree with the Bible? If it doesn't agree with the Bible, if you have a new revelation, it probably wasn't from God. Check the scriptures. How does this thing that God is telling me to do fit with the Bible? Can I check a box there? Or is there a question mark there? Number two, does it make me more like Jesus? Am I moving toward being a fully devoted follower of Christ? If I do this thing that I think that that you're calling me to do, God, am I becoming more Christ-like? Or am I stepping away or stepping sideways from being Christ-like? Sometimes there are things in our lives that, that we want to do. I think about relationships. (laughs) I want to get into this relationship with a non-believer. Bible kind of says no to what? Why? Because it's not going to make you more like Christ. It's going to cause you problems. But I love him. I love her. It's probably not from God. Number three, does my church family confirm it? We are called to be a body. This is the body of Christ on earth. When Christ left and ascended into heaven, he didn't finish his work. He left us to finish the work. And the spirit that works in us is a unifying spirit. If I come up with some idea and 25 of you out there are going, it's wise to consult the body. It's wise to consult the people that God has brought into your life, your small group. Without getting into details, I remember this really came home to Sandra and I years ago up in Canada when we lived in Edmonton. And there was a situation that was going on. It was a very difficult situation. And someone had come and confided in Sandra over something. And all of our gut reaction said, we need to go to this. I don't remember the details, but we need to go to this person's parents. She doesn't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) We were in a dilemma. We didn't know what to do. So we prayed about it. And we decided that we would ask three people, three good, strong Christians that we knew, without giving them all the details, what they would do. We had an idea of what we ought to do. And we asked three of our, our good, strong Christian friends, not together, so that we weren't gossiping. 
And all three of them said the opposite thing to what our gut was. All three of them said the same thing. We went with it. And to make a long story short, it was just incredible how God worked through that situation. And if we had gone the way that seemed right to us, it was not the right way to go. So if you get an idea, a thing in your head, oh, God's telling me to do this. Don't be a lone wolf. Share it with your small group. Share it with people that you trust. I I think God is calling me to do this. I'm not sure. Would you pray about it for me? Number four, is it consistent with how God has shaped me? This is a good one. So shape is an acronym. You're all shaped. Every single one of us is unique. There aren't two people ever created that are the same. Even identical twins aren't. Mostly. But not 100%. Each and every one of us is unique. So is this thing that I believe God, God is calling me to consistent with how God has shaped me? And how has God shaped me? The S stands for spiritual gifts. Has God gifted me to do this thing? A spiritual gift is a gift that is not natural to you. So this is a difficult one. Years ago, God came to me and said, you're going to speak in front of people. I hated it. It was my number one fear. I shared this before. I mean, the only thing I can remember of my wedding day is my fear because I knew I would have to make a, a speech at the reception. That's the only thing I remember. Sorry, Sandra. I knew you were there. <laughs> but God came and said, you're going to speak. And then God equipped to do what he's called. But it's a spiritual gift. It's not from me because I can't do this. The second one is your heart. What has he made you passionate about? What kind of mm, thing gets you going? Injustice? Evangelism? Discipleship? Reaching out to people who are hurting? What, what is the heart, the passion that he's given you? The, C, the, the third one, the A, is the ability. So you've got spiritual gifts. You've got natural abilities. One thing God has not given me the gifting to do. If I ever ask... You do not want me singing. I love music. I absolutely love music. I wish I could play an instrument. Sandra tried to teach me the piano, but if my right hand's doing something, my left hand can't. (laughs) If we dance, she has to count it for me. One, two, three, four, do. (laughs) It's not a natural ability for me. If God's calling you to do something, as well as your spiritual gifts, there's a good chance that he has given you abilities to do what he's calling you to do. P, personality. Some people shouldn't be in front of other people. Just telling it like it is. Some people need to work in the back. we got some people that are just good at organizing and doing things in the back. They should not be shaking hands. And then we got other people who are just warm and friendly and should not organize a darn thing because it will just fall apart. It's not their personality. It's not their makeup. And then the last one is your experiences. Whatever has happened to you, good, bad, ugly, God can and will use it if you surrender it to him. Your worst brokenness, your worst day 
he can use if you will surrender it to him. How are we doing here? All right, back to the list. Is it consistent with how God has shaped me? Is it my God-given business? Well, God has told me to talk to you about your bad habit. And I feel like I'm just the person to tell you about this. So we need to sit down so I can share your bad habit and how you're going to get over your bad habit. Is it your business? If the Holy Spirit didn't come to you and say you've developed a relationship with that person, you have earned the right to speak truth into that person's life in love. If the, if the Holy Spirit hasn't led you to do it, mind your own business. Leave it between them and God and whoever God has brought into that situation to do it. It might sound like a little one, but it causes a lot of pain sometimes. I know people that have been really hurt by somebody else's good intention to help them with their thing. If it's not your God-given business, stay out of it. Now, on the flip side of that, if God does convict you to approach somebody and you have developed a relationship with that person and you have earned the right to speak truth into their lives in love, then that's a different circumstances. But that relationship had better be the right relationship and it had better come from God. Number six. Is it convicting rather than condemning? Now, this has come up three times in the last three weeks. So, I'm thinking God wants to say something to somebody out there. Like, three times. Is it convicting rather than condemning? Is it from God or is it from Satan? Satan will condemn you. He will look at your brokenness. He will look at your weakness and he will condemn you. He's so good at whispering in our ear and setting up situations so that that temptation is right there, making sure that, that everything is in line, that it's easy for us to fall into this temptation. And then when we fall, he kind of slips around the other side and says, you call yourself a Christian? Christian wouldn't do that. Why did you do that? And he shames us. Condemnation will bind you up and it will separate you from God. Conviction, on the other hand, comes from the Holy Spirit. Conviction is God's way of saying, there's something going on in your life. You know that this is going on in your life. You're not feeling good about it. You're not feeling good about it because I'm prompting the Holy Spirit in you. And the reason that you don't feel good about it is not because of guilt. It's because I want to work on this in your life. I want to help you get this sorted. I want to help you get this cleaned up because I have a bigger, better plan for you than this thing. If it's condemnation, it's from Satan. If it's conviction, it is from God. And the last one, do I sense God's peace about it? Very, very important. This one I can speak into. There are so many times, preparing a sermon sometimes, I'll go down a road and I've got everything ready and I've prayed about it, I've studied on it, and I'm, and I'm going to come and bring it, and there's just something in the Spirit that's just saying, no, it's all good. Spend a lot of time on that, God. No. And there's no peace, and I've learned to listen to that voice. 
If there's not a peace from God, it's probably not from God. All right, there's a little workshop for you. (laughs) So, we've asked God to slow us, quiet our spirit, tune into his voice. We've asked God to know us. We want relationship. Now we want him to show us. Here are some questions to ask him. What do you want me to pray for? I very much bring, start that. Many of my prayers I start with, what do you want me to pray for, God? I got my list, but what do you want me to pray for? The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8 that we do not know what we ought to pray for. But there are two instances in that chapter. It says the Holy Spirit is praying on our behalf. It also says that Jesus Christ is at the right hand of God interceding for us, praying for us. What do you want me to pray for, God? What do you want me to do? What's the action step in all of this, Lord? Show me where you want me to be more faithful. Where do I need to maybe stick it out in something and not give up? And where do I need to step out and do something? What do you want to tell me? Are you trying to tell me something in this, God? How am I doing, God? Show me what you want to change in me. You you know, when we ask God to show us, we're accepting that we're not perfect yet. It's okay to ask God to show me what's wrong. I know something's wrong. It's no new news. But what I'm saying to God is that I'm a work in progress and I want to make progress, Lord. Almost done. I can see your faces because it's warm in here. And you're dreaming of hamburgers. What's for lunch? Give me two more minutes, all right? You do know that I'm on the metric system. How do you want to use me? And what's my next spiritual step? Sometimes the thing that we miss out on, we we generally gravitate, when God show me, we gravitate to the bad stuff. What do I need to get cleaned up in my life? But where we, we don't, God, what is my potential in you? Sometimes we don't even want to ask that because we don't see any potential. What is my potential in you, God? What could you do in me and through me and to me that's beyond anything that I could imagine? Ask God that question. What is my potential in you, God? Show me. I might be a little scared when you show me. Ignite my heart. Set me on fire. And what is my next spiritual step. Now the key to all of this, I put it right on the bottom of your notes, is obedience. We're going to talk about that next week, all right? Next week is grow me. Slow me, know me, show me, grow me. So I'm going to cut it off right there. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your holy presence in our lives. 
We thank you that you have loved us with an everlasting, unconditional love. Father, I thank you that when we surrender to you, when we take that first step and we invite Jesus Christ into our lives to forgive our sins, to take lordship in our lives, when we are sincere, you are sincere. And that happens. And if there's anybody out there today or an internet land that's never taken that first step, it's so simple. Just pray this prayer. Lord, I need you. Please forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. I choose to trust you. And Father, show us those things. Those dark places where you want to work. But Father, show us too those great things that you want to do in us and through us and to us. That we would not be afraid to surrender completely to you. And to be all that you have called us to be. And Father, if there's one out there this morning that's struggling with addiction of some kind. We all struggle with some kind of addiction. And you're prompting them to take a step of faith. Father, let them know that you are with them, that you love them. You are their strength and give them the courage to take that step and seek help. Thy way, not my way. And Lord, let your light shine in us so that everybody who sees us sees your light. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I have those come forward, please, that are going to take up the offering? A couple of ways you can give your offering. Uh, There's the envelope that I mentioned. If you want to put a check or cash in there, you can. You can go online to our website, lakewayonline.org, or go get the app and uh, click on Tithely. And there are other ways that that the young people that do announcements are aware of other ways. That fellow there. Yes. <laughs> What's your name, young man? Kyle. I know a Kyle. Um, Tithely, look at, look at me. Tithely, envelope, what else was it you said last week? Bill pay, there we go. I know people give bill pay. I don't, I don't do money. My, my wife does money. So those are ways that you can give. If you have a prayer request, please fill out the prayer request card. Check off if it's a, a prayer.